All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 111 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger alongside Frank Saravalli. And what a night in the National Hockey League last night, Frank. Uh, we're 10 days from the trade deadline and there is stories all over the place. There's, Where do we start? Oh, gee, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I, I do want to start. <laughs> well, I'm going to start just with with the uh, the Chikrin goal. And then, of course, the Nedeljkovic. Uh, oh, man, he putted it and hammered it in between his own legs into the net. Like those two goals in that short of sequence. Oh, man, I was howling. That was just a it was like foreshadowing on what a crazy night it would be. Yeah. Um, the Nedeljkovic one, I don't even <laughs> I can't begin to process what he was thinking. Mm. I don't know. Like if, I guess if you're going to take a swipe like that, wouldn't you make sure that your five holes covered? I don't know. Well, the chances of, of that and true story, Frank, as you will like this story. So I'll, I'll never forget the ranch golf and country club in, uh, in Emmett, just outside of Edmonton, my buddy Hutch, he's teeing off in the second hole. It's a par five. He's a righty. He, and so there's a fence right behind him. Right. And we're standing on the other side. He swings. As his driver, he goes through his own legs. Dude, I've never seen it again. Like I was on the ground. And basically that's what like the odds of Nijelkovic, like mishitting it's one thing, but to hit it from that angle and have it go off your stick through your legs, like that's must have been some serious English on that thing. Oh, babe. It was 
that was it was just too funny not to uh, not to chuckle at. And, you know, the uh, the Chikrin one to uh, to quote the Darren Dutition man, you could uh, time that with a sundial. It was so funny. Least fan players are diving all over and the pucks just slowly going in. It was hilarious. What about the overtime sequence for the Leafs? Maybe not that hilarious. No, no. Hey, Austin Matthews. Um, well, it's it's interesting because we saw it in the Edmonton game on Ovechkin with Zach Hyman on an empty net, and they didn't call the hooky. Now, you two know, games, Oshie two t- nights. Oh, she tied it, but Edmonton won. So in Edmonton's case, they're not. That's why I said they're the refs were lucky. Edmonton won because it's not a as big of an issue. But when it's you know it's in Toronto overtime, you know Matthews, who usually doesn't say a whole bunch mm-hmm. on the ice, uh, voices his displeasure. He was livid. But, but you know what, Frank? That's going to overshadow what the story of the of the night in Toronto was. Is Mrazik's in a world of hurt right now? Jack Campbell's injured. So uh, what are they going to do? Are, are they going to go to an unheralded? Are they suddenly going? They're going to maybe hope they can have their own Bennington storyline, or are they going to go out and acquire a goalie? I don't know how they wouldn't go out and acquire a goalie at this point. I mean, look. Here's the other thing that I think we probably should start talking about or at least thinking about is when you see all these things add up, maybe the Leafs just do nothing. Because they realize that sound outrageous to you that they're not going to oof. I I just don't know if they would have a mentality to say, you know what? I just don't think we can do it. So we're going to do nothing. I'd be surprised, but But it's it's, hard to get a goalie. Well, it's hard to get a goalie, but it's also, they don't have any cap space the way they're playing this with Jake Muzzin, they, they don't have the flexibility to do anything that they want to do unless they are trading pieces off their roster. Right. Yeah. So hockey trade. I, I mentioned earlier this week that I think they're making a mistake in terms of how they're managing Muzzin. And, and you can't tell a healthy player to sit out, but they're still targeting like a month from now for him to come back and play. He's already skating. So what happens if you get to April 10th, let's just to pick a date out of the hat and Jake Muzzin at that point, when he's expected to come back says, Oh, you know what? I'm not feeling so great. I'm still having headaches, discomfort. I mean, head injuries are so unpredictable. You can feel good this week, feel terrible the next. Mm -hmm. So you get through that and then you've passed the trade deadline. You missed out on the opportunity to add someone with the LTIR space. And he's still maybe not back anyway for the regular season. I just look at what Tampa has done. I look at what Vegas has done. And I say, this is a legitimate injury. If you're the Leafs, don't you just say to Jake Muzzin, Hey, we're, we're really concerned about your head injuries, back-to-back concussions. Even when he came back after the first one, his play was no good. He was hesitating. There was serious hesitancy in his game. How do you not address it? And I guess the point being, if they're not going to address it and they're going to let Jake Muzzin come back, because I guess that's technically what you have to do. They don't, they can't do anything even if they want to. Yeah. See now the, the LTIR, like you look at Vegas, cause people are like, Oh, Vegas with their injuries to Laner and, and Smith. Now oh, they'll just activate um, Stone. See, I, I don't believe it's that. I think Stone's legit hurt. I think the question would have been, could he have returned with 10 games or 10 days left in the regular season? Possibly. We'll, we'll never know. But in the case of Muzzin, because the doctor has to sign his reputation and you know his career when it comes to LTIR. But the Muzzin one, Frank, where you're accurate is there's no, no, no one can 
can confidently and certainly say, okay, with the concussion, you're going to be healed in four weeks. You can give a guess, but concussions from person to person vary significantly on how let long alone two in a in a really short time frame. Yes. Yes. Like I could, this is the one where it, I don't know if anybody would question if Jake Muzzin didn't play again in the regular season because of a concussion. When you look at concussion histories and the vast difference in how some players are out and others will be out two months. Other guys are out four months depending on, and they both had a concussion because you don't know the severity of it truly. Why? I mean, why would you question it? Just in the same way, I'm not questioning Mark Stone's injury. I think he's legitimately injured. I think Nikita Kucherov was legitimately injured. I never had a question about the injury. My question with Kucherov was always the timing of it. Um, But in this case, why is Jake Muzzin, like if he's skating again, why is it in public view? I guess is the question. Not saying they should be off hiding it, but like, why not throw them on rink eight at your practice facility way earlier than any cameras get there? All of a sudden, cameras capture this path back. People are talking about it. You know, they're they the Leafs let everyone know that they're targeting somewhere around a month from now. And all of a sudden, you're you're kind of put yourself in a spot where you're hooped if if that's what you even wanted to do. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think um now, there is a big difference. A lot of players that guys can skate like going on a leisurely skate doesn't mean they're close to playing. But sometimes we see them on the ice and we just assume I've seen lots of guys in in November start skating who don't return until the end of December. But because it's November, you know, it's not considered as big of an issue. So um, but you're right. I think there is at times, you know, you wonder like it's probably for the mental well-being of a guy like Jake Muzzin. He's got to get back on the ice. He wants to feel better. And even if he's just going for a leisurely stroll because he's probably not um, pushing himself to any high limits because that's normally where you'll you'll have some some symptoms of not feeling well but it's it's one where Toronto it's going to be fascinating to see what they do Frank because uh, you know we talked about it a month ago like what Kyle Dubas and the the need for them to win at least a series and it's going to be difficult because they got Tampa and Florida I said at the start of the year Toronto could have a great year and still technically lose because they're in a really tough division with those two teams well that's my point about maybe they just do nothing Like, is that an outrageous idea to you? Because they could make all the right moves. They could trade for a goalie. They could, you know, put Jake Muzzin on LTIR. They could find a defenseman to add to their group. They could maybe improve themselves on the wing. And they could still just as easily lose. No, I'll say this though, man, they can score goals right now. They're like, they are scoring for fun. The problem is they're giving up goals for fun. So it's, uh, that's, that's the fifth straight game that the Leafs have given up. Four or more. Yeah. Oh, it's hey man, it's eighty. It's old school hockey as a as a fan of offense. Good luck for a team that has historical scoring woes in the playoffs to think that they can outrun it. Oh. Yeah, no, it's it's valid to question it. There's no, I don't think there's anybody doubting that. It's it's not it's not looking good. But luckily for them, playoffs start May first, not March twelfth, and they're going to have to try to figure it out. But so who's facing more pressure, the Leafs or the Golden Knights? Well, I have to think it's the Leafs because like they're they're. Their management, they haven't won anything. Vegas has over exceeded. And I know it's five years and people say, well, now, you know, they're fans. It's a, like they booed them for the first time. And I was like, well, now Vegas fans are real NHL fans because they've 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 had a little bit of heartache in the regular season. And I haven't had none. 
ever in franchise history, which is amazing to say. So I'd still say it's Toronto. Whereas I'll say this though, Frank, I think Vegas, because they feel like, you know, they want to win and, and, and Kelly McCrimmon's highly aggressive. I think there might be more like they'll, they'll be, he'll make a bigger splash and maybe make a move. Like just because he's like, we got to win. And he'll go after it, even though I think there's probably more pressure on the management team in Toronto because they haven't had the success that Vegas has had. See, I don't know. I actually wonder if there's more in Vegas. Like they've created this expectation now of Stanley Cup or bust. And by the way, everyone looks toward long term, you know, what, well, what happens if the Leafs don't win a series? What happens in Vegas? They they got to be cap compliant next year. Yeah. Oh, they'll be so trading. This is off. really their only sure. kick at at the can with this group, this roster, using this exception. You don't get a redo on it. You can't start the year like that. Yeah, no, it's fair. All right. Like, well, Smith would be off the books, I would assume, next year as a UFA. And um they, they got the, the thing about Vegas is the difference between Vegas and Toronto is when I look at Toronto's core pieces, they're young. Vegas's core pieces, Frank, are a lot of guys who start with a three. So doesn't that Except increase I, the pressure a little bit. Uh, yeah, but the organization, I think they'll like I, what I, I guess my pressure was the, the pressure in Vegas. I don't see someone losing their job potentially if they don't win. As far as management goes, coach, you never know. But um, in Toronto, if they go out, like I think there could be, you know, a few people, more people on the chopping block if they lose, because they will be like that's six in a row where Vegas, this would be the first time. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think if they do nothing, there's probably some signal from, you know, the very top of Maple Leaf sports and entertainment, not absolving them, but basically saying, look, there's a lot of things stacked against you. Let's not, let's not blow our brains out here trying to make this right with, you know, trying to plug all these different holes at the deadline and trade away future pieces that could help our team. Yeah. Well, Toronto, I think if you look it's at basically team, live for another day. Yeah. I think though, if you look at Toronto's team it, and it's hard because which goalie can you realistically get, but if they could get a goalie, who's just consistent, like keep in mind, Jack Campbell since November 1st or December 1st, excuse me, has, has, has not been good. Right. So if they could get a goaltender who's just like nine, 10, Frank, that would make a big difference for them. And I don't know what the cost, how high it would be. I'm just not sure who the goalie is. Like people are talking about Thomas Grice now in Detroit. And I'm like, Thomas Grice is 36 with an eight, eight, eight save percentage. Sure. You can get him, but what, what, what certainty do you have that he's any better? I, I just, they're, in, they're facing the same situation now that the Oilers have for months. Who's your difference maker? Who's your guaranteed? But it's it's deeper than that because they don't have the cap space. Oh, well, you're right. It, yeah. It's it's worse than than that spot because there's no opportunity to do something even if you want to, unless you're unless someone's taking on Morazic. No, that's yeah. That was I was just gonna say. Like maybe they convince you have to throw in a pick, just in the same way that the Oilers would need someone to take over take Koskinen. Yeah, I'd say, I don't think Edmonton's making a goaltending move. I think they're, uh, uh, I think they're going to stick with their three, and they're they're uh, they're waiting here to see. Uh, like I think Koskinen will play tomorrow, and I think you're going to see Stuart Skinner next week, and then uh, they'll kind of go from there. But. Does Does Mike Smith just sort of fade into oblivion? Like what What happens there? 
Yeah, I, I really, I know that, like, have you seen any player go on COVID protocol lately, Frank? So I'm wondering if Mike Smith, who hasn't been around, just got, and he was one of the few orders who hadn't tested positive for COVID. Maybe he's just tested positive for COVID. But how many, is this the third sort of longer than expected absence this season for Mike Smith? Yeah, like, yeah, because you say you have the flu bug, right? Or you say he's sick and an illness and technically you can be. But yeah, but the thing about Smith this time, he's on the roster, right? He's still on the roster. He's not on IR. He's not on LTIR. So, but uh, yeah, you're right. The the injury bug has not been good for uh, for Mike Smith this Does, year. And it's always ended up going longer than the original. Although this time they didn't give any um, timeline. <laughs> but is that because this play has been no good? Like, it's sort of like I think of the Campbell situation. It's like, well, how do you complete the game you had the other day? And now all of a sudden you have a rib injury. And then Morgan Riley comes out and says, well, it's been bothering him for a while. Like, why is he in the net if that's the case? You've now delayed the process from getting help weeks ago, apparently, to now starting to get help now. Yeah, well, I think you've been around long enough to know, Frank, there's lots of guys who play through stuff and then there's injured and there's hurt. And sometimes but, it, but if he if he was getting the stops and if his save percentage was 915, he would just keep playing. Am I wrong? This is a reset at the same time. All yeah, of a sudden you're out when your game's no good. Yeah, you could be right. Yeah. Does, does that feel does that feel any of the same way with Smith or am I just no Smith Smith, I think honestly was um I, I think Smith he hasn't even been around on the team. So I'm going to guess they say illness. And I, that's why I asked you, like, I, I haven't looked close enough to see our, our teams just instead of telling everybody that the players got COVID anymore, they just keep them away from the team for six. Cause if, if he shows up suddenly next week, to me, that would, that but would, why, after all the guys that went on COVID yeah. protocol, why not just say it? Yeah, well, I agree with you. So maybe, maybe his I'm wrong. His save percentage just, in his last four games is 837. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's not good. It's I mean, good I, I just, again, not being a conspiracy theorist, it's just like, well, why didn't, like, well, just say something. Yeah. If you're Jack Campbell, say something. That's totally I, I'm, fair. I admire any guy who wants to battle through injury, no doubt. But at some point, you're not just hurting yourself, you're hurting your team. Yeah. If you're playing injured instead of hurt, I would agree with you on that. And if it's if it's impacting your play, then you've got to let your ego get out of the way. So um, we'll see. Uh, you know, maybe a mental reset for Jack Campbell will help him because he was quite good for the first two months of the season, and uh, it just hasn't been the same goalie. But we didn't all. even talk. We didn't talk at all about Leonard. Yeah. Well, well and, and like that's the other part of the equation for Vegas. Like. I'm sorry, but they could make the playoffs. They're not going to have a chance if Lauren Brassois and, uh, you know, that's what they're going to do in net. Oh, no. Well, there's another team. I, I mentioned it when you first reported about his labrum. I said, add Vegas to the list of a team that will be in the goalie hunt. Because if Robin Leonard can't be consistent, you, you can't. I don't believe you can go into the playoffs with with Lauren Brassois and, and a raw rookie with three NHL games. Thompson. Well, this time now, uh, I don't know if you saw the tweet from Sin Bin Vegas uh, yeah. overnight. Not only Riley Smith, but Leonard's on crutches. So yeah. he's um, gone back to Vegas. He's gone back to Vegas. I believe this is a groin issue. Again, not a doctor, and I don't play one on TV. I think they're waiting for more imaging to understand exactly the severity of it. Wow. You, uh, 
you know what? If you have a labrum that's a little bit banged up and now you got a groin that's a little bit banged up, Frank, I would Maybe say it's time to just to get both repaired. Goalie. Yeah, I think you'd have to look at another goalie like Vegas. And hey, the other thing we haven't touched on is and some people hated it. Some people, you know what? And I want to preface. I think the NHL needs more villains. I like some animosity. Vegas and Buffalo, there's only going to be one game in Buffalo a year now when Vegas goes there. And I'm telling you, Frank, it will be one of the loudest games. The Buffalo fans, Jack Eichel, you know what? Um, Jack Eichel, his for people who didn't hear the quote, basically said, man, that's the loudest it's ever been in seven years that I was here. Now, we know that's not 100 percent true because there's been games in the yard where it's pretty loud. But to say that it just infuriates the Sabres fans. Now he's, you know, villain number one even more. I think it's awesome. The NHL is so bland at times. That's not a derogatory statement to anybody, but it puts fuel on the well, fire that's to arrive. Well, but to say it's not that loud, like it's not that derogatory because you take a step back and say, well, of course it's been loud here before, right? And he's basically saying, yeah, the team never won. But yeah, you were one of the main players in the team that never won. So you're kind of chirping yourself. But I like the fact that he was salty after the game. He's pissed off. They lose and Buffalo kind of dominates the two guys he gets traded for. They both score a goal in the game. Like it's only once a year, Frank, but you watch next year when Buffalo's schedule comes out. Saber fans, the first thing they're going to be looking for, when does Vegas come to Buffalo? And that's what you want. I have no issue with it, but to say that it's not derogatory towards anyone, it's, it's a shot right at Saber fans. Yeah. But how much of a like derogatory to me is really like, is it that derogatory? No, but it's basically saying you, you haven't cared. You don't care. And you only care because you're here to make fun of me. Yeah, great. That's the whole point. He's uh, again, I have villain. no issue with it, but it's a shot at at a te- at a fan base that I can't blame them has been really apathetic the last handful of years because there's been no success. Yeah, it's one that- of the great fan bases in the NHL. I think the league is better for it when the Sabers are are interesting and and their yeah. fan base is is tied into it because it's such a great place to watch a game, but it's been a dark hole for a oh, long, yeah. you know, they, they've been having 5,000, 7,000, 8,000 a night for, for stretches this season. That's been no good. Now I think Jack Eichel had less frustration with Buffalo and the reception he got compared to the fact that, as you said, they lost a critical game as their, their season is now slipping away. And to your point, the guys that were traded for him scored. Yeah. Like, and that's awesome. So it's frustration from the loss, not necessarily the environment. I, yeah. I that's the way that's my read on it. And, and, and I would agree with that, but I, and that's why I love the fact that now like Sabre fans, you, you need something to unify a fan base at times. And well, when you have is, nothing else to cheer yes, for, this is all you have. hundred percent. And so I'll tell you right now, that game is going to be sold out next year. Mark my words right now. The Buffalo Sabres couldn't have. They should be sending Jack Eichel chocolates and flowers to say thank you because that game next year is going to be one of the loudest games. It's going to be the ticket to want to get because people like sometimes just to want to vent their frustrations. There are going to be signs of, you know, it's going to be it's like it's Ben be Simmons. Awesome. I don't know if you saw coming back to Philly last night with the Nets, like people were lined up at his hotel to boo him getting on the bus. 
Some guy was walking around. It's like one of the great clips I've seen on social media. I love Philadelphia. Like it's the best thing ever. When uh, some guy was selling shirts after the game and had Ben Simmons head on a, on a penis and it said ultimate dickhead. And then some guy walks up to him and is like, Hey, do you have a kid small? (laughs) Like who is buying that shirt for their kid? (laughs) Do you have a kid small? It's like one of the best clips ever. Oh my gosh. That is awesome. And so see that I, I love it. Now I just, I think at times we, we, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Jack Eichel saying, oh, the fans aren't really loud. Like, yeah, it's a little, that's, that's what a good chirp is. It's a good chirp because it's got a semblance of truth to it. And so now the fan base can say, oh yeah, Jack, well, screw you. And we're going to show you every time you come now, how loud we can be. And that's awesome. That's what you want. And, and the other thing is for the Sabres, Trust me, they, you know, the, the players, you know, Tuck and and them, they, they're proud. Tuck was actually kind of excited to go to Buffalo because that's where he's from. Like they want to turn their organization around because, as you said, Frank, it's been a dumpster fire for a long time. They've had no success. But actually, geez. I like that team because they scrap. They they oh, actually they try. Yeah, I give Bernardo a lot not, of credit, man. That team it, does not quit on their coach has them. They give you the best. They don't have a lot, but they give you the best of what they have most nights. And that says something. Because if you could actually get the talent, I hope that he can hang on long enough to be able to enjoy the other end of it. And you know what you, the other thing, Frank is, um, you know, the goaltending, we're, we're 10 days away from trades and uh, you know, you've talked to a lot of people. I've talked to a few, everybody says it's still quiet. I still think it's going to heat up here in the, in the final 72 hours. Um, the, uh, the Florida Panthers are are looking like a juggernaut to me. The uh, Washington Capitals are healthy. Um, I'm still not like Sam Snoff's game in Edmonton. I know they lost, but he was unreal in that game. Like that game, Edmonton could have blown him out. He was fantastic in net. I'm very curious. The Pittsburgh Penguins play Vegas tonight. Like I, there's so many teams in the East now. They're all, we all know who's in, but I'm curious who's going to make the move. Like Toronto, we, we know they'd like to maybe add a goalie, but the other seven teams, like I still think Carolina is just like they're, they're in the weeds, right? They're waiting. They're looking through is Don Waddell. And you saw the quote, the, the young girls hockey team, who are you going to awesome. trade? Like, yeah. I love that. That little girl, we should be sending her some, some, uh, uh, hockey cards or something. Cause that was awesome. Don's reaction was, just, whoa, whoa, shut the tape off. Like hilarious that trust me, fans in Carolina are like, Hey Don, we didn't do anything last year. What are we doing this year? No cap space. Yeah. I got to get kind of trade someone. Yeah. Well, they got lots don't, of tradable players. Don't have a first round pick. Yeah. They got lots of tradable players, Frank. I agree. But you know, are you moving Vincent Trocheck? Probably not. You need your two C. Are you trading Nino Niederreiter? Probably not. Another UFA. I've heard conversations about Brady Shea going back months, but I don't think they're recent. I think he's been pretty good this year. He has been. Where you tell me who they're going to pluck off. Well, I, when I was the thing about, and I've always said this about Carolina is I find that their forward group is a lot of the same players are very skilled, but they have a lot of similar type guys and they have so much depth that I think you could, if you had to in a trade, you know, you're trading to, to, to tweak something that you could look and say, Hey, you know what, here's a player that like cock and yemi, obviously you're not moving because no one's going to take, but they're re like, they're, they're close to re-signing him to a long-term extension. Oh yeah. Like I, so what, I mean, you're definitely not trading him. I, I wonder honestly, Frank, if um, like, you know, 
Jesper Fast, for instance, is is that, you know, he's he's got a year left in his contract. He's a $2 million player. He's a good player, but I I think you could trade Jesper Fast when you consider, okay, we're re-signing Kakaniemi. You know, you got Svechnikov and Aho and you got Nekesh and who does need a contract. That's the interesting one there. Um, you mentioned, you know, are they bringing, I don't think both Nita Ryder and Troshek are coming back. One of them is going to walk as a free agent. So that'll free up. Feels five, like, it feels like Kakaniemi is going to slide into Trocek's role yeah. next season. Yeah, like I, I think if you if you were looking to change things up, you could trade fat. I think that's the guy you could trade. How good is Seth Jarvis, by the way? Oh, very skilled player, man. Watch him lots in Portland. Highly skilled guy. Love, like I just love that they're able to add a guy like him at at a young age and just hey, go ahead, rip off twenty goals this year. I don't know. They they they've drafted well. They've got prospects to trade. They've been creative, you know, signing Anthony D'Angelo for a million bucks. Like they revamped their goaltending. I, I just, if I'm looking at the list of teams to really, really be active, I just don't see it with Carolina. Yeah, that could be fair. Uh, I just, I think Don Waddell's never afraid. We had him on. No, he, he's in every conversation. I just, I, it's possible. Like maybe something comes together where they pull it off. I'm just not, I'm not counting on it. Now, what about the Dallas Stars? Huge news on the injury front yesterday in the Western Conference. We mentioned Vegas. Miro Heishkinen is out with mono. And anybody who's had mono can tell you it can be brutal for multiple months. That's a huge loss for them uh, because they basically play four defensemen over 22 minutes a night, Frank. Now, Hockenpah for the last three games without him has played an average of 25, almost 26 minutes. Now, he was playing 15 minutes a night in his first 52 games. So I'll be curious to see. Can he I love Hockenpah. Can he play that many minutes, you know, all the time? We'll see. But I wonder now what Jim Neal's looking at, because that's a huge blow, man. Like, that's their number one defenseman. That's a huge blow. And then look at L.A. All of a sudden, Dowdy banged up, right? They throw two other guys uh, on IR, right? You mentioned Mickey Anderson. You know, he's back banged up again. So you've got, and they lost in San Jose in overtime. Like, the injury bug here, Frank, in just the last 24 hours, really impacted teams in the Western conference. The high skidding one's hard. Cause there's no, it's unpredictable. Like there's no real timeline for mono. You can feel really good in two weeks. You can feel like garbage for three months. Like there's really no, there's no way to speed it up, slow it down. Like it, it's requires a lot of rest. Not often you see NHL players come down with something like that. Yes. No, it's, it's too bad because he's such a good player to watch, yeah. man. Just entertaining as heck. And so for a now, team that's been rolling. Yeah. Well, that, that changes things a lot, man. You like team. I'm a big believer that good teams can overcome injuries for a certain time, but the longer you have players having to play above where they should be in the pecking order. And all of a sudden you've only, you've played four top four defensemen all year. Now you're going to move your number five up into a, you know, a, a top line role. Can he maintain that that long? Maybe he can. Maybe this is the opportunity. Some guys do it, but it's it's hard to do it the longer you go. You can do it for two weeks, Frank, sometimes three, but now you get into six weeks. And usually that's where, because Hawk and Paw's body, he's been used to playing 50 minutes a night. He was up 10 minutes more a night, man. Like that's such a massive increase. Will he be able uh, to it takes handle a that? few games to get there? The thing I like about him is he he's not he's not the defenseman that gives up home runs. He's sort of like, he just, he's no frills. He just gets the job done. And 
there's not a lot of fanfare, but he's, you know, if he's giving up something, it's singles and doubles, not triples and home runs. Like I, I remember Jason Strzok telling me on, on our show and, and you know what, the, there was years in Vancouver and Chicago. He was a top four D man. He's playing, you know, 20 minutes a night. They had some injuries. He had to play, he had to play a stretch where he played 24 to 27 minutes for like, you know, a week, two weeks straight. He was so tired. He could, and he's in good shape. He could not believe the difference that those added minutes made as it added up the first few games. Like, yeah, this is unreal. I'm in the game way more. But afterwards he's like, Oh my God. He was like, he was so happy when the guy got came back. He's like, Oh, I can go back to playing 20 minutes. It felt like a dream. So that's 15 to 25. I wonder the long-term effects, like when you get into three weeks now and how is the recovery going to be for him? That's what I, that's what I watch for. So speaking of minutes, I was wondering what you thought of my report from Thursday about Chris Letang, that he's asked for a five-year deal from the Pittsburgh Penguins that would take him through age 40. Well, good for him to ask, Frank, as we all know, anyone <laughs> will tell you, if you can't ask, you'll never know what you can get if you don't ask. Would you? Well, no, I, I wouldn't, but I'm, I'm, I'm like the anti long-term deal for older players. I think the NHL should have a rule. Once you're 27 years of age, no one gets more in five-year term. Uh, I just think the NHLPA does not approve that message. Yeah, well, you know what? But I could show them all the numbers and why they should approve it because it would actually benefit them. But nonetheless, um, yeah, I'm not doing well. Five years at what's my cap hit, Frank? Wait a second. Let, I need to ask you about that. Tell me how this works. Why okay. would less so the, dollars because, because guys there's that lot, are over 27 benefit yeah. players? Because I never said it would be less dollars. I said less term. Right. So you're going to get but less guy. term means less dollars. Cause at some point the team's only it, like, look at the situation that's unfolding with the Anaheim ducks and Hampus Lindholm. Okay. Yeah. Reported this week that they're not willing to give him a long-term deal. He's looking for seven or eight years. I don't think they're willing to go much past four or five. So let's just for simple math sake, let's call it $7 million a year that they're willing to pay seven times five is 35. Mm -hmm. seven times seven is 49 seven yeah. times eight is 56 that's the difference of either 14 or 21 million dollars yeah how now, how is it that players would get more money okay. so if the hampus, same money if hampus lindholm is that good right because i look at there's two ways i compared it i went to the nba their star play they have five-year term right their star the big players are still going to get paid because they're good now if your play drops off then you then you're going to lose a little bit of money but where it's hurting in the nhl is you've got a lot of cap space frank that is being taken up by players who aren't even in the nhl because they're on buyout contracts and that's where you lose the money and those that becomes a bigger issue guys i mean sitting in the minors now and you have lots of cap lose space. the money how though at the end of the day that player that's no no that's, not not an individual i'm talking the collective group so it impacts but, it's, it, other but it does that's not like that's not how the lead that's not how the union would vote because they're talking about what ends up in my pocket not how minuscule does the 50 50 pie change split change okay. Here's based the other on thing, Frank. money that's look outside the, the system look at the percentage of players because if you talk about the collective Look at the percentage of players who, who are over the age of 28 who sign a five-year term. We're talking what? 14% of the group? 
15%. So that's why I'm saying if the majority, it would actually benefit the majority. They'll never do it. The top end guys like we don't want to do it because they, well, because they've going played to their whole numbers. career just to get to 27 or 28 and get to free agency to the point where they can get one of those contracts. But lots of guys are getting those contracts earlier now, the big guys, right? But it's mostly the, and you're right, Frank, I get why some would be opposed, but look where all, how do you think Nathan McKinnon come. would feel if you were to say, Hey, congratulations. He would love it because you- he would be getting paid more right now. His long-term deal is what screwed him. No, but what I'm, but your, your proposal was only for guys over 27 or 28. Yes. He's going to get to that point now after, after probably what he feels like was the shaft, even though he signed it and he was comfortable with it at the time. And then you're going to now turn around and say, Hey, congratulations. You just played through that deal to make it to this point to now say you've got a five-term limit. Yeah, but but Nathan McKinnon is the outlier here, right? For the most part, there's very few guys who are over exceeding the the contract like he did. But how many guys when they're getting to 27, Johnny Gaudreau, like every year, there's guys that hit this age that need an extension, Hampus Lindholm, whether they make it to market or not. To say you're going to have a five year term, they're never going to go for it. Well, I agree that they won't. But the, the reality is it, Johnny Gaudreau, like I always use Nick Lidstrom as my prime example, Frank. He, Nick Lidstrom was the best defenseman, arguably the best player. Go look at how many long-term contracts he signed. Because when you're that good, you'll still get paid. Because, like the, the best players should be that confident in themselves that they don't have to worry about, I need to get overpaid because I'm going to suck in the last few years of the That's contract. not the worry, I don't think. The worry is that you're going to get hurt and blow your knee out and that you won't have the opportunity to sign those contracts later. It's easy to say Nick Lidstrom. But by that point, he was already in the twilight of his career. When the salary cap came around, he was already in a 35 and over contract and had banked all that money from years and years and years of playing with the Detroit Red Wings pre-salary cap, which spent out the arse. Oh, yeah. But even look at the he made forty two million dollars just in the last six years of his career. He probably made 80 before that. I'm just guessing. I don't know. No, no, I can go look at he signed. He actually, even before the um, the lockout, he was signing short term deals. But the other Frank, I can show you the numbers again on name the last player because because that does get brought up lots. What if I get injured? Well, we can show the numbers on the elite players. How many guys suffer a career ending injury on when they sign a foot, you know, at 31? It's rare, right? Like, sure, some happen. But it's low again. So I'm okay. just I'm that just was a gigantic diversion, which I enjoyed. Let's get yeah. back to Chris Letang. Yeah. So uh, so, no, I, so I, okay. I so my understanding is it was a five year ask at a raise of what he's currently making at seven two five. Yeah. Well, there's zero chance I would do that. But who is going to do that? I guess is the question. No, I don't think anybody would sign him to five year term. At seven point five million, right? I would be I would be quite surprised at that. Again, though, hey, the the defense salary went up last year, so who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. But um, now Chris Letang has had an unreal season, so he's I had get, an unreal decade. Yeah, so I get why he's asking for it. I totally understand it, right? And I've always said, hey, you can ask, and it, I would always ask for what I want to get because it is. He's like, hey, if I can get five years of this, unreal. You ask for that, now they'll negotiate. I would love to see when his contract is signed, 
what what he gets. Right. Because I I think he can get a Joe Pavelski three years at three at seven point five. I think Joe Pavelski could be the recent example that he Chris Letang could use and say, hey, look what Pavelski did. And he maintained it. And he was seven mil. I think Pavelski you know, might get a raise. I play more minutes. Yeah. Well, Pavelski might now. You're right. Right. So um, which but is three a prime sounds example, much more Frank. reasonable than five. Yeah. But you know what? Think about it now. Right. You signed Joe Pavelski for three years at seven mil. If that would have been a five-year contract for seven mil, people would have said, oh my God, what that is a big risk. But now Joe Pavelski did it for three. He's probably going to get another two or three-year deal for three. And it's the same amount of money, maybe even so slightly are, higher. Are you changing your tune? Would you do it? Uh, no, I wouldn't do it for five. I would do it for three, same as Pavelski, because I think that's the precedent. Who, who would be the last? Has there been a precedent contract that I could look and say, okay, here's a guy, similar skill, because Chris Letang's elite player. And I'm always willing to look at elite players longer than I would any other player. Because it's the middle of the road, guys, Frank, and free agency that screw you. Johnny Gaudreau, if he signed a seven-year deal, I would not be that concerned about him not living up to because Johnny Gaudreau is in the elite category of players. It's the guys like Oposo and Skinner and Lucic and those type of players, the long-term contracts, that's what they hurt the league. But in the case of Latang, who is an elite defenseman, if I could find a precedent that said, hey, there's a few other guys who've done it, sure, but they haven't. So I would, I would realistically say, hey, Chris, here's three years Pavelski. We're willing to go 7.5, which is even more. I think that would be a very fair deal. And Chris, if you're still good, trust me, we want you in Pittsburgh, but a five-year deal is just too big of a risk. Is it? I, I'm, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not advocating one way or the other, but my whole thinking is like, what way do you want to go as a franchise? And I guess the, how these playoffs go, like if they lose in the first round again, you're just like, okay, we're not. But their team has been really competitive. And yes. the only way they remain competitive is if they keep Latang, I think, because like their back end gets super thin and hairy. And if you're Chris Latang, like your whole career has been in Pittsburgh, you have unreal success there. So let's say Pittsburgh offers you three at seven point five, Frank, and you're like, you know what? I'm not taking. Well, what if what if the only better offer is four? at 7.5 in an organization that you truly don't know because we until you're in it what are the odds the penguins are going to be good for five years that's my question would you even want to be there in the last couple valid point Whitney crosby only has three left yeah but it's it's hard to write we've been writing off the we've thought the pens were going to fall off for like four years okay right? but it, it has to happen they, at some point does it well, yeah. I mean, look at look, just look at their cap picture as a whole. So you've got Rust, you've got Malkin, and you've got Latang all up. The only way this works moving forward is keeping two of the three. Yeah, which I think is possible. So who would the, who would which two would you pick? Well, see, and this is where I think you have to put on your Bill Belichick hat and remove emotion from the equation. And you have to look and say, okay, if we can get two players, because of Jenny Malkin, sadly, has injury history. Every year he seems to miss 20 games. Okay. And, and that's been there for a long time. This so year like, he's got 24 points in 22 games. 100%, Frank. But if he's constantly missing games and I'm weighing my options, like I would like to keep Malkin and Latang. ideally, those would be the first two choice. But financially in a cap world, can you do that? 
right. So ballpark like, rust at five, seven, five. That's kind of the, it might even be North of that now because he's had such a good year, but that's kind of the world. I think he's in five, seven, five, six million. So you've got what's rust, the term though. I, I don't know. Let's, let's say five years. Okay. Yeah. Like what, like Malkin's on record as saying I'm a rich man and I appreciated his honesty. Um, <laughs> something about if Jenny is like, I, you know, now he's made are a lot of money. Right? Good, are, are, the, are the penguins? I wonder sometimes watching them if they're better without him. And I don't mean that in like, obviously you can add a hard trophy winner to your roster. Like, sure. You'd want to do it, but they play different when they have him. Yeah. Like, I think if they were picking two from your cap world, you know, the cheaper two combined is going to be Rust and Latang. So that's where, and you know, they're good players on your team. So Rust is also 29. Like, I don't know that I'm giving him that kind of term. Well, dude, I I was just going to mention it that, uh, but you you love the longer terms. No, uh, I'm just saying the players love the right of the longer terms. Oh yes, that's fair. And I I totally get it. I, I, that's not how I would construct my team if I were playing fantasy GM. So which two would you sign? Uh, I would probably only sign one. And who would be the one? Latang. Latang, because he's a defenseman. And he plays. I just uh, like look at their group. Like John Marino, yeah. you know, I like him long term. Um, you know, Marcus Pedersen's contract isn't very good. Brian Dumoulin is sort of your consummate pro. Oh, but they're defense. they're not teaming with top four defensemen, yeah. and they're hard to get. So if you want to remain competitive then you probably have to keep Latang, and you got to find a way to keep him happy. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, you saw Burke's comments about uh, Casper Kapanen as being a disappointment, right? Like I, I wonder if they just let him walk and that frees up 3.2 mil. Well, it's yeah. His, his arb case is going to be in the fours somewhere just yeah. based on stats alone. Uh, it feels like Kapanen is trending towards healthy scratch territory. Mm-hmm. That's what Josh Yoey reported earlier this week uh, from the athletic. And I don't know. I mean, this is an interesting team. Like you're probably going to have to give Danton Heinen a raise. Um, I don't know. They like they're in a tough spot. Eight this they've picked once in the first round in eight drafts. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Eventually that might wear on them. That's totally valid. But yeah, I, I would go Latang, Frank, to, to wrap it up. I'd have no problem at even three years at 7.5 mil. I, I could live with that at three years. It's just but the question is, can term. he? Yeah. Well, it comes. Is another team really going to give him five? And would he go there and be happy? Like that's, and that's where I think Chris Latang's in a position. He's made so much money. It can't just be about the money with Chris Letang. I'd be surprised because anyone will tell money doesn't give you happiness. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe he wants a, a challenge of just something different. Eh, you know what? I want to play in another organization to see how life is on the outside. Fair, but it's not always better. Doesn't mean it's always comfortable, right? Then you got to look at his family life and kids and school and everything like that. So, you know, there, there's got to be more than just money in his equation, I would think. Well, $74.505 million are his career earnings after this season. So I would hope that at this point, it's not about that. Well, yeah. Hey, guy who's, uh, who's rivaling that in salary so far in his career, Tyler Remchuk. Let's uh, bring him in. Gambling Ty, winnings. Yeah. Just on winnings alone. Hey, Ty.
I actually did go three for three last night in my points per <laughs> pick. So I, I'm eating good heading into a weekend here. Uh, fill in the blank. Or sorry, that is fill in the blank. Is it? I prepped no, fill I in the it. blank question. So we're doing that again today. Um, that's a brain slip on my part. But either way, it's presented by DoorDash. No matter what we do, DoorDash, 25% off with the promo code RUNDOWNDD. That's 25% off on your first order. And you get no delivery fees. Shout out to DoorDash. Ding dong. All right. Let's jump right into it. <laughs> You said you wanted it on Friday episodes. Yes, so I love it. Oh, uh, God. So good. Like I said, we're doing fill in the blank again because I just prepped those questions. Uh, so the first one I got with the Miro Haskinen news, the chances of the stars trading John Klingberg are blank percent. Frank? One. All right. I don't, they weren't trading him anyway. And I think now, why? I mean, yeah, I'm again, going why z- would you? I'm going zero. Fair you enough. have to at least allow for some possibility that someone comes okay. in and just totally zero point zero point zero one. So technically, that's a percent. Ah, Feels like one. a uh, Edmonton Oilers save percentage. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, too soon. Never. Uh, Rasmus Ristolainen got that big deal with the Philadelphia Flyers. Rasmus Ristolainen will be traded or bought out by year blank of that extension. Jason. Or will he play the whole thing? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, he'll play the whole contract. It's five years. He'll play the whole contract. Uh, I don't know if he'll play the whole contract. It's well, maybe not all in Philly, but he'll, I don't see him getting bought out of that contract. So do you think he'll be traded by a year? That was part of it. Traded oh, or by out. traded in a year. No, I like everything went wrong in Philly this year. I think really, I think Ryan Ellis really hurts them, uh, him not being in. So no, I, I think that uh, Reese Linen will, will be there now. Will the same GM be there? Cause that's when it changes, right? If you're a GM who signed a guy and then you get fired, the new GM comes in, there's no emotional connection. So that's, that's where there's the chance that maybe in the later years of that, he could get traded, but uh, I'll say he spends at least three years in Philly. I think emotional connection. What you said is what got the flyers in trouble. I mean, you trade a first, a second and Robert Hag to get Rasmus Ristolainen last year. How often is it that you see a player traded for that type of haul to then re-sign for less money than he was making? Have you ever seen it? I, I racked my brain, Jay, yesterday trying to find an example. The only one I can kind of come up with is Taylor Hall, but that was a one-year deal for eight to re-sign for four times six. So mm-hmm. it was a one-off exception. But And he also wasn't traded for a first-round pick. Taylor Hall only got a second. I cannot think of an example in recent NHL history that illustrates, frankly, what the Flyers are admitting is just how bad the season has been for Rasmus Ristolainen. Yeah. Well, even even he's admitting it a little bit, is he not? Well, yeah, I'm sure their initial ask had to be in the fours. That's my guess. To end up at 5-1. Yeah, Um, Flyers, yeah. I would say... This was a face-saving mechanism because their only other option was to trade him for 30 cents on the dollar and get a third back or something. Mm. I I mean, I don't know. I guess he'll play out the contract, but it's it's not pretty. He's a human nail gun. Yeah, I love that line. I was laughing. That's, that's, that's what he is. He's a human nail gun. <laughs> uh, if the Toronto Maple Leafs decide to make a move between the pipes and Marc-Andre Fleury is unavailable. 
who should be their number one target, who should be their number one target. Maybe not who is, but like, who do you view as the number one fit, Frank? Mark Andre Fleury. And I, I don't, don't give me the not available thing. I think you get down on your hands and knees and beg. <laughs> He's the only true difference maker available. All right, Jay. Well, yeah, it's hard to argue with that. So, um, the, the only other option I think that, uh, that would make sense that could be a legit upgrade is Varlamov, but you know, he's got term, he's got uh, one year, it's five meals. So obviously you'd have to include Mraza going the other way and, and shed some other salary to make it work. But that's the other goalie who I see is a distinct, legit, better option than what they have. Can I ask a dumb question? There's no such thing as dumb questions, Frank. If you're the Blackhawks, why wouldn't you take Morazic back? You have no goalie. Yeah. Oh, for the flurry trade. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, no, I was talking. The you, you would make Toronto pay a little extra in terms of what they give up. Yeah. But if it means getting a first round pick instead of a second or something, would you do it? If I'm the Blackhawks? Oh, yeah. 100%. Why I think- do you care if Morazic's your backup next year? Well, you, you're not, and, and you're you going to have to get yeah. to the, you're, you know, you're going to have to spend. You're going to have to spend, but you also, if you look at it, I looked at Mrazic's buyout, Frank, it's not awful. If Chicago felt like, you know what, we would do that. You know who has a wacky buyout, by the way, uh, who made it onto our trade targets list. And I doubt he it gets to this point, but Mackenzie Blackwood has a wild buyout because he's 25. Yeah, he's a third. He, well, not only is it a third, but they'd actually get a cap credit for next season of 637.5 and then a cap charge the following year for 687.5. So it's basically a wash. You can buy him out for a third and have no cap penalty, which is kind of crazy. That anyway, is really weird. Yeah. I'm, it's I'm a, the, it's right a very it. unique scenario. And I don't think it'll get to that point, but there was a player a couple of years ago that had this same exact thing that I pointed out from Ottawa and Toronto traded for him and then bought him out and used the cap credit after I wrote about the story. Huh. That is interesting. All right. Uh, wrapping it up with a points bet bonus question. Shout out to our friends at points bet. If you are a Leafs fan or a Sens fan, or just someone who lives in Ontario points, bet is coming. They got the, the, license and all that. So you'll be able to uh, use points bet in Ontario soon. Uh, I'm going to look at their Stanley cup odds. Here's the top 10 in order. Avalanche, lightning, Panthers, Leafs, Knights, hurricanes, flames, penguins, wild. And then the Rangers at 20 to one are at the bottom of that list. Which team will see their odds go up the most after the trade deadline, like day after the trade deadline, who's going to be the one that makes the sexy splash that has the sports books jacking up their odds, Frank. Florida. Yeah, 701 right now. I can see that going up a little bit. Jay? Well, I think Calgary because they're too low right now. So uh, they're, they're going to go up because uh, some of those other teams yeah. are going to go down and uh, Calgary will go up. They'll just continue to win. I'm not sure they'll make a monumental move, but they're the second best team right now in the West. So they're, yeah. the, I think they're way too low, to be honest. You've got too many East teams altogether. That doesn't make any sense to me. But we're talking like who's going to make such a splash that it changes the odds at three o'clock on March 21st. Mm. Maybe it is the flames. Maybe they make another, maybe they add another piece. Nah. They're, they're going to add a defenseman, I think, but they don't yeah. have their dollars in dollars out. They don't have, they're not in LTIR. They have no space. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I'll still go with the flames. Cause I think they're undervalued. Right. And I think they're rated lower and they're going to go up. 
All right. There you go. That's a wrap on another edition of what was supposed to be by or sell, but ended up being fill in the blank brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. Ding dong. <laughs> so good. Oh God. Now, Frank, I was quickly looking up Rasmus Ristolainen's numbers and I'm comparing him to all the other like Sanheim, Provorov, Braun and Ristolainen because those are the, you know, the top four D they, they all played, you know, similar minutes. When you look at Ristolainen, he played 950 games and Sanheim played 1050 and five more games. So, you know, they're, they're averaging about the same. If you look at their, their Corsi fours are all between 46 and, and 48. Their Fenwick is 46 to 48 and Ristolainen's, you know, 47.9. Their shots, Four uh, percentage, they're all 47, except Sanheim, who's a 48. Uh, their goals, four percentage, Rista Lines uh, is at 46, Sanheim's at 50. Their expected goals, he's he's second best amongst their top four. So when I'm looking at people, ah, oh, Rista Lines is so terrible. When I look at his numbers, that whole defense core is basically even, right? Like we're talking one or two different percent from 46, 47, 48. So when I look at it, it I think sometimes the expectations on who Ristolainen is is high, but at a five million dollar cap hit, I'm not sure. At five years, it's it's that egregious, really. Like I know because his numbers analytically, just and I was from Natural Stat Trick, aren't that so far gone compared to the other top four guys in Philly. They they all seem to be collectively struggling, which is why I think it that mirrors how that team's been this year. I I think if this were to happen in a vacuum, if the Flyers were to have just signed Rasmus Ristolainen as a free agent, let's pretend he's in Buffalo and they signed him this coming July to that contract. I don't think anyone would say anything. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, well, maybe, like, I guess you could make, you know what I mean? Like, it's sort of in the realm of, okay, that makes sense. Sort of. Yeah, but this is after trading for a first, a second, and another player that's now going to get flipped at the deadline. So you're saying because, but they signed him for less. It's because they doubled down after then having a horrendous season. Yeah, but his season, when I look at it, it, I think the team had a horrendous season. You're right. He wasn't a leader by any stretch. I I mean, I okay. So, so Micah Blake McCurdy, hockey viz, uh, had an unreal thread on Ristolainen yesterday, just showing on with graphs how he's gotten caved in defensively. Absolutely caved in. Yeah. So, but I'm looking at, but I watched the game again, put aside the numbers. I watched yeah. the game and he can't think the game. Okay. That's fair. I, I, I don't like, I'm not demeaning a player. When I say this again, human nail gun, he just runs around drilling guys and he's a physical presence. And I get where, if you're the flyers where you say, well, our team's been insanely easy to play against the last couple of years. What now we're going to take some of the sandpaper off of it. I just think they were in a spot where they, they felt like they had to sign this contract because they didn't want to, they didn't want to trade him for a third round pick and they didn't want to let him walk for nothing after giving up so much when sometimes that's actually the best course of action. So if he would have so like take the NFL, for instance, okay, yeah. like this is a Philly example because it's it's current events. The Eagles trade Carson Wentz last year to the Indianapolis Colts. He, yeah. he doesn't have a good season. They they got first round picks for him. Okay. Yeah. The Colts say this guy is no good. We're now trading him to the Washington Commanders for two thirds. Right. They sold for 40 cents on the dollar. Mm-hmm. Sometimes so, that's just the best play. 
So you so you're saying the Flyers should have just traded him for whatever second and and started over. That's that's personally what I would have done, just watching okay. him play. But again, I'm not a manager, and I'm like, this is not my team. That's how what, the, that's pretty much how in unison the fan base feels. And then if he goes to let's say that happened, and he and the team that acquired him, whatever they they don't sign or they sign him. Do you think his contract would have really looked at it? Cause he's probably what, like a number four defenseman. Probably maybe, maybe a number three. If he plays his best on a good team, he's a third pair guy. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's fair. Hey, there's lots of those guys. I totally agree with you on that one. So um, the, uh, the flyers, maybe they think if they can play him with, you know, with more of a puck mover that, you know, that can, can limit his ability to, to be the more than just a, what do you call him? A human nail gun. Yeah, well, it's a kind of an awesome nickname, but or awesome way to be. That yeah, buddy, call him the nail, nail guy. I'll tell you, hey, the, shin, the shin pad assassin is. I, I've had three nicknames of guys that I really like. The shin pad assassin is what I called Andre Sekera because for the longest time in Edmonton, man, uh, he could find any opposing forward shin pads better than anyone. He couldn't <laughs> get shots through. Uh, Eric Belanger, I called him the Belanger triangle because the offense disappeared when he came to Edmonton. It was crazy. And then uh, Pronger was the human rake because uh, he was tall and with his chiclets. And and Chris is such a good uh, sense of humor because people always thought he'd be upset about that. Well, he, he did uh, a bumper that said, hey, this is Chris Pronger, a.k.a. the human rake. And you're listening to the Gregor show. Still one of the greatest ones. So awesome. good nicknames, Frank. Go with the human nail gun, buddy. You got to you got to sell it yourself. I like it. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Get, get people in Philly, right? Get people in Philly. They'll be all over that. He can ask the guy, Frank, they're, they're too busy crying into their beer with this contract. Yeah. But you know what? Just ask the guy who bought his kid, the child, <laughs> the Ben Simmons child oh t-shirt. God, kid small. Hey, do you have a kid small? He's like, no, no, only a medium. <laughs> he will definitely. It's one of the best ever. You could get the human nail gun t-shirt made. I guarantee you would sell. Guarantee it. So good. Yeah. Frank, have yourself a good weekend. Any So do you think there'll be a trade before Monday's pod? At the beginning of the week, I would have said yes. I'm not so certain now. Okay. Yeah. But there's a lot of injuries that have popped up. So maybe. Yes. Yes. This will be fun, man. The next 10 days, uh, teams, uh, there's still some in the hunt. And don't look now, Frank, but the Vancouver Canucks, they win tonight and Vegas loses, which is very likely in Pittsburgh with all their injuries. Suddenly the Canucks would be on pace one point behind Vegas. Now Edmonton's in that race as well, but uh, the Canucks have put themselves at least in the conversation of the playoff race. Thanks for listening to the DFO rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode delivered by DoorDash. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. 
Now here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.